Namaste. So continuing on the writings of Sri Aurobindo, Essays on the Gita, Collected Works of Sri Aurobindo, Volume 19. And last week we read about the Sankhya Yoga, Sankhya and Yoga, Reconciliation of the Two. And the essence of it was that the movement of intelligence, instead of turning outward and downward, must turn inward and upward. This is a wonderful practice, the discerning intelligence. This itself is very liberating. Uh, but the only problem is when we engage with this, we tend to move away from the field of work. And there is a reason for it. Because initially, works absorb us. They pull us out and we are absorbed in it. And they pull us out by the agency of desire for seeking some joy, pleasure or some result out of it. And when we turn within and upward, there is a tendency to create a division in the being. So, in the first one, Sankhya Yoga, Sri Krishna says, you know, knowledge is superior to action. So, here, now Arjuna learns about Sankhya. So, he says, so what do I do? Now, should I act? He says, yes. Knowledge is superior to action. This is the first. But he says, action is superior. Next, he says that. So, Arjuna is completely confused. What are you saying? So, then he speaks about that there are two kinds of action. One is action which is done in ignorance, under the stress of ego and desire. And the other which is an action done for a, in a greater state of consciousness, by the greater self. And that's when we see the gospel of work starts. What is that action? So, first of all, what is that action? What can be done as part of our karma yoga? And Sri Krishna says, all actions. There is no, uh, like generally people think later on in India, this tendency came only worship and all these actions or ritualistic actions. They are sacrificed to God. All other actions are for the sake of the ego. But the Gita says very clearly, all actions. Shubhinda, in fact, puts his final seal, he says, even the Gita says, Ghor Karm, the action of war, business, everything can be done and should be done, even breathing, even to an extent that movements which are considered completely mechanical. Like when you go to the bathroom, and Shubhinda uses that word, that when you are just simply eliminating things from the body, even that can and should be offered. So, one single way for that was, at least I had done that, was putting something of Mother and Shurabindu in the bathroom. So, it was a reminder <laughs> that this is a space also where you need to offer everything to the divine. So, every action has to be offered. But then the Gita speaks of the uh, hierarchy of actions. So, hierarchy of action is the most material sacrifice or rather speaks of sacrifice. So, what action? So, it says, the most lowest form of sacrifice is the sacrifice of material things, material goods. The mother writes about it very beautifully, same thing, but it's in Collected Works of Mother, Volume 2, under the title Charity. So, where the material things, when you give, it's the most outward, uh, lowest. And the highest action that one can sacrifice is knowledge. And there the Gita distinguishes between two kinds of knowledge. One is of course the ignorant knowledge and the other is the higher kind of knowledge which is uh, given as an offering to the divine to awaken mankind for uh, the greater good. But of course if it is done for money, wealth, fame etc. it has no meaning because any sacrifice done for satisfying the ego is no more sacrifice. It's a business, it's a transaction. So in India this thought was uh, developed to what extent that's why they had this principle of Guru Dakshina even doctors were not supposed to charge money but patients there was an embargo on the patient that if he dies without paying the doctor's fees he goes to hell so <laughs> the doctors were safe but uh, highest forms of giving healing or knowledge you can't put a price tag to it if somebody does it out of joy it's a different thing it's an offering and that offering has to be used wisely and rightly. This was a wonderful principle. That's why in the ashram school, uh, among the many things uh, is that no student is charged and no teacher is paid. And when mother was asked why uh, you want it like this, she said because knowledge in India was never sold. So you see this sacrifice 
our works were so deeply intimately woven into the indian life and that's why in aurobindo you have the barter system you make something and it goes to a collective good so how are we to do works normally we do works for satisfaction of desires so why should one do works so why one should do works the gita says very simply for the lok sangraharth for the forward and collective march of mankind it's not done for any individual purpose including the individual spiritual good why because the moment one has taken away the sting of desire doing it with some kamna i will get this i will get that the moment we get rid of that we already have attained to the spiritual good so the purpose of action is no more spiritual good it is a constant sacrifice to the eternal and there uh, both i mean they are one and the same uh, shurbindo reminds us that sacrifice is a law of creation that's why the gita says shri krishna that by sacrifice i have made this world meaning thereby deep within there is one and oneness and therefore sacrifice is the law of creation if you don't give it it will be extracted from you as simple as that <laughs> so it is the compulsory divine taxation but done with the utmost benevolent and compassion and just like in material taxation the richer you are the more you are expected to contribute so in the law of sacrifice the greater the degree of development of the being the more he gives till a point where he doesn't do anything for his own sake and all is done for the sake of the divine so somebody may ask if one does that how will he maintain his family so geeta has a wonderful answer for that and it's so true to experience but you have to you can't do this sacrifice with this idea of in mind and that word is yogakshem vahamyam i will take care of you now if you do it with the idea okay god will take care of me let me try it out it doesn't work it has to be a very natural spontaneous expression of one's being and then the divine takes care and there are countless examples i know within the ashram context at least that how people are looked after in every which way strange ways beyond a comprehension because when you dedicate your life to the eternal at the service of the eternal he takes care in his own way he'll take care but the action should not be done within i on the fruit this is the first fundamental requirement um does it mean that we should do the action casually indifferently that's the next step the okay i will not i the on the fruit so whatever action i'll i'm doing i'll do indifferently it doesn't matter so the second command is no you must do it well <laughs> because it's a worship of the eternal so it doesn't mean i become indifferent to the action that well i am not doing it for fruits i have to sit at a shop for 6 hours and i have to sell products if people come come i can be rude to them i can be casual to them no it should be done with all the details with the perfection of a divine worker because it's our service to the eternal this the another you know kind of cul-de-sac in which people enter that okay i am not doing it for work i am do- not doing it for human being so i can afford to be just casual indifferent no on the contrary all the more reason because we are not only doing it for the divine we are representing the divine so we must be much more one should strive for success and not failure should be in those words but if failure comes we should pass it on to him know that it is a passage if success come we should not take it ah see i did it there is a very nice poem of shirvindo the divine worker where he says victory is thy passage mirrored through fortune's glass failure is cradled on thy deathless arm so you know you have held it means failure is a preparation you have put something on hold it will one day bring whatever the divine desires the result to be but now for now it is failure like the french revolution like the 1857 sipai mutiny they were failures but they had sown the seed cradled on thy deathless arms and victory oh like that ken upanishad we are the victors we have done this we have done that you know some people take a lot of joy in saying that you know i did this i did that but a true yogin lives in that state that he is not the doer and how this state comes is very interesting actually it can come by pure analysis 
So I remember at 16, this thought used to come to me. that Who am I? So if you really analyze yourself, you will see that none of the parts that constitutes you is your. Something has come from parents, something from society, something from education. It's all conditioning. And then the next step is you discover who is the doer. We say that I am intelligent. Who gave you the intelligence? It came from nature. Somebody says I am strong. Who gave you the strength? It came from nature. That's how we are built. So who is the doer? So the first step to recognize is that nature is the doer. It is nature which is solely the doer. So what is our role? Our role is to give sanction. To make our choices, to put it that way. And the choice should be based on the discerning intelligence. So now the whole puzzle gets solved. That why this state of impersonality is required is to make the right choice. And then next step to offer it to the divine. So initially we make the choices, we do the work and that work's results is offered to the divine. Later on there comes a state which the Gita describes as Sarva Sankalpa Sanyasi. It's only an interregnum, when transitional stage, when the buddhi is making the choice. Next stage is when there is Sarva Sankalpa Sanyasi. You, you know people interpret it as that, well I'll do nothing. So Sri Krishna makes it very clear It cannot ever be that By not doing anything Nothing is being done Still action will happen in you through you It may be the most mechanical actions. Breathing is an action So the Gita definition of karma is not just We think I am doing a job You will act Continue to act Because within you nature is there Nature will continue to act And it will act according to Nature's impulsion within a person so, then it raises another question that, well, a yogin understand that he is not the doer and yet a mighty action is done by such a person. So, the next question comes then, if still we have to act, what is the basis on which we act? Okay, we do Lok Sangraharth. That's a motive. But what is the action that I should undertake? So, there is a very interesting line in the Gita which Shubindo explains in great detail. That you will act according to your true nature. Now this becomes a bit of a tricky thing. <laughs> What's my nature? So a lot of people will say, I can't help it. I, I get angry and I am doing it. Now that's not what the Gita means. The Gita means that there is a true nature within everyone. And there is things which come from this world and cover it up. This is the fundamental uh, philosophy of yoga, uh, you know, Vedanta. That there is within us a divine nature. By that it means a divine impulsion, a true impulsion. And this true impulsion takes a deviant turn because of different forces that come and occupy the fields of nature. So then it takes the example, for instance, uh, it, it teaches us about Sobhava and Sodharma. So what is Sobhava? Sobhava is the true self-mode in the becoming. And Swadharma is the action which is governed by that self-mode. That is the true movement. But how it can get distorted, we will see very beautifully in Savitri, the triple soul forces. So in the triple soul forces, Shubhinda first describes the true soul movement. They are soul forces. So one can see them as Sattva, Rajas, Tamas. And in each one of them, there is a true movement. For instance, the true movement of Madonna of suffering is to bring hope to heal, to help and people endure that suffering that is there. But the false movement is where a person says, I am born for suffering, God has marked me out. That's an asuric consciousness. It can go to an extreme where people self-mortify themselves. It should never be regarded as anything to do with uh, God-like movements. Extremely asuric movement where people suffer, make themselves suffer, whether by pricking their tongue or lashing themselves on the back or laying on a bed of thorns or nails. This is not what the divine wants from us. He wants us to become magnets to express his will, channels to express his will in the world. That's what the Gita tells us. So his will is so that the entire humanity moves upward on its great march of ascension. So Lok Sangraharth comes from there. Lok Sangraharth is not feeding the poor, that I am feeding... Thousands of poor people, therefore I am doing for Lok Sangraharth. Literally that term means to hold the march of humanity together 
and this march of humanity is towards a great event and all that comes in the way of this expression of sadharma must be removed that's why there was code of conduct for the kshatriya code of conduct for the brahmin code of conduct for the vaishya and code of conduct for the shudra now yes time spirit has broken it and it's good it is broken something new is coming up in its place but we must understand what it was basically in today's context we can say follow the true divine impulsion within us now that's not easy to find as long as we are driven by preferences desires and we make the choices under the stress of desire we cannot really discover the true divine impulsion so th- to discover this true divine impulsion one has to practice nishkam karma that's the principle of and work should be done as a sacrifice now here sacrifice is not about self mortification it means literally to refine purify uplift and eventually divinize so there is this fire in which an action is put the same action now you see how society was organized so that things can get refined purified uplifted divinized so the whole purpose of sacrifice was one a recognition that i am not alone and god and world are not here to fulfill my desire second it was a means to uplift our natural movement towards greater and greater heights so a person who has the warring instinct he could war just for his own we have this typical example several times i have said what is the difference between karna and arjuna karna is driven by an egoistic motive one egoism was that my friend he gave me the kingdom therefore i must defend him it doesn't matter what dharma is so though he is a kshatriya true kshatriya yet he falls from that movement and therefore his death is typified in the way he dies fallen from grace whereas there is a true movement and that's what we see in arjuna surrendering all his skills at the feet of the divine and he says tell me what i have to do so when the command comes to fight the battle it jolts all his nervous sensational being because it goes against his grain of egoistic preferences as a satvik person why would he kill his own people even if it is for the sake of kingdom he doesn't want that because he is a satvik person unlike karna who shows intense rajas even his satva is uh, that generosity is intense rajas i give every day morning whoever comes to me you know that's famous about karna but arjuna in the scale of evolution is satvik so he says yes i should fight for the right but why against my own kithan kin how can i do it and that's where shri krishna teaches him to rise above the guna and be just an instrument and channel of the divine so by desireless action by uh, surrendering the fruit of the action by doing the action skillfully with eye on perfection in fact it's so true that actually when you eliminate this craving for result not only your choice improves your action actually undergoes improvement because you are not suffering from what is called today as a performance anxiety <laughs> or a anxiety about the results what is going to happen what is going to happen no because then you can become a free flowing channel of the divine it doesn't matter people may appreciate they may not appreciate you may get Uh, accolades you may get brick bats nothing matters because you just want to offer it at the feet of the divine so next stage is remember and offer so every action before we start and when we conclude must be inwardly offered it's an inner offering it has nothing to do with outward outward offering can sometimes be very ostentatious you know in one of my talks in nainital somebody said doctor sir bolte to bada acha ho ek garbad hai इनवर्डली I don't have to <laughs> no no then he started teaching me all about hari and om i said okay thank you so much for the kind advice <laughs> what a 
else you do after all this so it is an inner state of offering it is not something which you have to necessarily close your eyes and that may be necessary in the early stages close your eyes and have observe one minute of silence when the mind is roaming around one minute is over what do i do now it's a joyous glad offering that's why if a sacrifice is not done in a glad state it has no meaning with regard to the divine if it is done under state of compulsion oh what to do drudgery i have to do this work why because destiny god has given me this work even in, it can happen anywhere it can happen in an ashram setting that you are doing a work and you see this fellow why is he doing a better work than whereas i am more qualified <laughs> so i should be there i can run the show better are divine knows what he is doing <laughs> leave it it's okay maybe you can run the show better but the divine wants the show to run worse his mystery how do you know maybe he wants to give him his chance and sabka time aayega so you know <laughs> you don't know so we should learn to have that humility that the divine knows what he is doing his task so whatever is the task appointed by our own nature and by god this is how the gita describes your own nature and god these are the two things which we must consider so if the true nature is to fight fight for the righteous cause doesn't matter that's what he tells arjuna that because your true nature is of a kshatriya if you abandon this work then it will be mithyachar what is mithyachar that inwardly i have this urge but outwardly i am saying no i will follow non violent methods so that's called falsehood that was unfortunately taught to a whole nation and what was the result of it we started practicing mithyachar and not only that we started feeling very vain you know we are a non violent nation yes by all means be non violent but at least defend yourself when there is an attack that's a very justified and valid thing so mithyachar is when you are you are practicing something which is not consistent with your own true divine impulsion if the divine impulsion is to fight for that which is right and true and beautiful by all means have the courage and do it doesn't matter what's going to come and do it as an offering to god so these this works as sacrifice for the larger lok sangraharth done with an eye on perfection and details but as an offering so it releases us into a vast impersonality and brings in us that sense of closeness to the divine we begin to live in god that's what the gita describes picturesquely brahman is offering to brahman and brahman is receiving it can be so wonderful applying this even in everyday sphere and one of them is i remember that wonderful saying of the mother about what is love she says it is only the divine who loves so it is the one who is in one form the divine is reaching out to the divine in another form and the forms become conduits to link the two which is so much more beautiful than being bound by bonds of attachment social religious mutual self interest etc it's all these things require time to practice but the gita is a practical book so this is the basic so i'll um, read some of the passages the one thing needful the saving principle constant in all these variations is to subordinate the lower activities to diminish the control of desire and replace it by a superior energy to abandon the purely egoistic enjoyment for that diviner delight which comes by sacrifice by self dedication so whatever we were trying to find by these means much more will come see that's why people say bhagwan ki seva mein kya milta hai what do you get by divine service you know we get instant payment <laughs> Paytm, original Paytm, <laughs> divine Paytm. What is that instant payment? Delight. All that you are trying to get ultimately, I'll get the monthly pay. Then I'll invest it. Then I'll get some money. I'll buy this because I'll be happy. By the <laughs> you are, you can't even enjoy life. You know, some people all our life I have sacrificed first for family, then children, and God knows. And they were doing it when we are. old we will lead a happy retired life 
they are waiting that when this period of retirement will be over and we can get back. <laughs> but if you offer to the divine, there is an instant delight. That's the joy. So he says, by self-dedication, by self-mastery, because you have to give up desire self. All this will come again and again. Pleasure will come, uh, money will come, wealth will come, ambition will come, need for fame will come. All this will come and draws. Recognition will come. By the giving up of one's lower impulses to a greater and higher aim. They who enjoy the nectar of immortality, left over from this sacrifice, attain to the eternal Brahman. You give to the divine in completeness. What you will get? Leave it to him. Left over from the sacrifice. Sacrifice is the law of the world and nothing can be gained without it. Neither mastery here nor the position of heavens beyond. Even in ordinary life, the law of sacrifice prevails. You want to become a good doctor, you have to sacrifice some other interest. You can't say, you know, exceptional people can probably take up multiple things, but generally you have to follow that law of sacrifice. But there are gradations, the range of these various forms of sacrifice. The physical offering, the lowest, where we offer, you know, food and such things. The sacrifice of knowledge, the highest. So, in practical terms, to start with it means, we all have this idea that I know. I'm talking of the individuals. I've, I know. Now, when sacrifices to the divine, one stands in utter humility and says, Lord, until now, I was the biggest fool believing that I know. And if you don't believe this basic truth that you don't know, there are people who will tell you that you don't know. <laughs> Respect them, keep them near you. They are the real helpers on the way. So, I don't know. Illumine my mind. So, and then there will be illuminations, inspiration. Even offer that back. Not that, okay, now I am having intuitions. No, keep on offering that. Till the very highest uh, one arrives at. Knowledge is that in which all this action culminates. Not any lower knowledge, but the highest self-knowledge and God-knowledge. That which we can learn from those who know the true principles of existence. This knowledge cannot be had just by reading a book. That by possessing which we shall not fall again into the bewilderment of the mind's ignorance and into the bondage to mere sense knowledge. So in this knowledge, what is the hallmark? Thou shalt see all existences without exception in the self than in me. So this is the principle. So again he says, what will be the motive? The motive will be not personal desire on the intellectual, moral, emotional level, for that has been abandoned. It cannot be the spiritual call to his perfect self-development by means of disinterested works, for the call has been answered. The development is perfect and fulfilled. His motive of action can be only the holding together of the peoples, Lok Sangraham. This great march of the peoples towards a far out divine ideal has to be held together, prevented from falling into the bewilderment, confusion and utter discord. And that's why the Gita says that those who have advanced should not confuse those who have not gone beyond. Don't bewilder them. It should not be, oh, let's everybody join the ashram or everybody start following yoga. See how Swami Vivekananda, he himself is a great renunciate and somebody comes and tells him, I want to renounce the world. He says, what do you have to renounce the world? <laughs> what do you have to renounce? Go and earn money. Now it may sound like a very strange advice. But one should not create confusion. It's the march of humanity moving in a certain way. There are steps and stages. And you don't make people skip stages. The best, the individuals who are in advance of the general line and above the general level of the collectivity are the natural leaders of mankind. 
for it is they who can point to the rays both the way they must follow and the standard or ideal they have to keep or to attain but the divinized man is the best in no ordinary sense of the word and his influence his example must have a power which that of no ordinary superior man can exercise and then comes the best example of the bestest best and that is shri krishna himself so after he says all this he says you see arjuna i have nothing to gain all the three worlds i am supporting i don't need to really sit in enter this battle yet i am entering it and that becomes god's own example and shobindo emphasizes on it so avatar there are many aspects of the avatar one of them is he sets the example for world and humanity and often people have this tendency to take the last oh shobindo we drew into his room i know people who suddenly shut themselves into a room and they think that they are doing shobindo's yoga and when people would ask shobindo it said there is a likelihood that you will lose your mind Look at Shurbindo before he came to Pondicherry, right in the middle of in the jail in the revolutionary movement, uh, he is editing three journals, organizing revolutionary activities, what not, and in all this he was like a jivan mukta in that Brahmi sthiti, and even after that, till nineteen twenty six, Shurbindo kept himself. Uh, he met people. He was doing things. evening talks were there then subsequently yes after 1926 because it required a very special action and the mother said okay i'll take care of the you know all that you have been doing so you can focus on that and by then he was he was still keeping contact with all the things in the world and acting upon it by his subtle occult force so all this so what are the signs of a jivan mukta so the first sign is of course the true knowledge and the true vision the liberated man is not afraid of action first sign he doesn't have jugupsa i'll do this i won't do this this is spiritual this is mundane that is even the ishopanishad says that tato na vijugupsate he doesn't say no this doesn't suit me i'll do another kind of work he is not afraid of action he is a large and universal doer of all works krishna karm krit not as others do them in subjection to nature but poised in the silent calm of the soul tranquilly in yoga with the divine the divine is the lord of his works and that is the significant story in rajasu yagya of yudhishthir when everybody asks what work shall we give to krishna and krishna says i will pick up the you know when people eat so after they finish the food i'll pick up the plates and give it for washing or whatever i mean to dispose it off now does krishna's teacher become low by doing it no krishna is krishna it doesn't matter what he does which way he does so sarv karmani this idea there is a big work there is a lesser work there is a high work there is a low work is not consistent with the true truth of things because brahman is the soul enjoyer and nature is the soul doer and shobindo in the life divine describes this is one of the great illusion and he says that brahman invests as much energy in the shocking shock of a star blaze of a star as in that little grain of dust and atom of existence the hand that sent jupiter spinning through heaven spends all its cunning to fashion a curl so this idea that this work is good this is bad this is big this is small must pass away completely once and for all whatever work the divine gives us wherever we was are placed through that we can arrive at yoga so it's so beautiful people often say oh shobindo is very difficult to practice we cannot read him don't worry if you cannot read him serve him <laughs> the only way shobind mother said no that um, who can understand shobindo he is as vast as the universe and his teaching is infinite who can understand shobindo the only way 
to come a little closer to him is to love him and to serve him unconditionally give oneself to him she says then you will come closer nobody is saying that in this yoga you have to read the life divine this is nothing but uh, a strange resistance of the human consciousness that you must read the life divine understand it thoroughly then only you can engage in the yoga it's good if you read it it's good if you understand it it's wonderful because it's why won't you read something which is written by someone whom you love whether we understand or not doesn't matter but that's not a precondition to undertake yoga shubhendra at one place says that while intellectual activity can be a good and powerful preparation but if this became the criteria for undertaking the yoga then hardly anybody would be prepared for that so that's all right wonderful if you are drawn towards it and it's always good to read something to keep you know to open the mind to a deeper understanding so this is the first to do all in this liberating knowledge without the personal egoism that of the doer is the first sign of the divine work all means all in the synthesis of yoga there are two chapters and one of them first time when i had read it i said my god what does it mean works of love i said i had never <laughs> what is works of love and shubhendra explains that even that all energy that is going into this creation including the energy of your feelings it is doing an action in this world it is also a work the second sign is freedom from desire for where there is not the personal egoism of the doer desire becomes impossible it is starved out sinks for want of a support dies of inanition so one has to thoroughly search there is a line in savitri you must search our beings with a spiritual fire anything am i doing it because i will get something it could be a work that we are given to do it could be simply dressing up am i dressing to affect it could be a relationship am i trying to take advantage am i doing it because what it will bring to me so all that has to go outwardly the liberated man seems to undertake works of all kinds like other men on a larger scale perhaps with a more powerful will and driving force so this another this idea that you know liberated man doesn't engage on the contrary the ideal yogin has a much more powerful action because he is no more working for a little limited egoistic action for self satisfaction but for lok sangraharth for the might of the divine will works in his active nature but from all his inceptions and undertakings the inferior concept and neither will of desire is entirely banished sarva samarambha kama sankalpa prijita he has abandoned all attachment to the fruits of his works and where one does not work for the fruit but solely as an impersonal instrument of the master of works desire can find no place and see there is something very interesting qualification not even the desire to serve successfully for the fruit is the lord's and determined by him and not by the personal will and effort or to serve with credit and to the master's satisfaction for the real doer is the lord himself and all glory belongs to a form of his shakti i remember once bangalore once there was problems in the bhavan and they asked me to take over as a secretary so as usual sat together we said okay fine opened a page from prayers and meditation how what should be my attitude and there was a prayer that even in divine works you must be disinterested i said this is a bouncer how do i be disinterested i, I was looking forward to it ha huh? i'll do it with all this disinterested then i realized that there is no personal interest involved of any kind you do it well do it with perfection no personal interest and that is the perfection of the divine work it does not follow that the work is not to be done perfectly with success with the right adaptation of means to ends on the contrary a perfect working is easier to action done tranquilly in yoga than to action done in the blindness of hopes and fears 
Yoga says the Gita elsewhere is the true skill in works. Yoga karmashu kaslam. That's how it comes because you are no more doing it for yourself. And one of the examples I remember, it may look strange, but it, it was a wonderful example. Um, somebody came here for the first time and he lost his key to the suitcase. So he asked, uh, "What is to be done?" So in the ashram there was a department where they could do that. It was not. Department for opening suitcases, but they could make it. I guess it was probably Arpagon or some place. I don't know where it could be. So the person went there, and he opened the suitcase, made a key, and he said, "Okay, thank you so much." No, no, wait. Uh, I have to make a duplicate. He said, "No, I don't need it. No, it's not because of your need or not need. <laughs> it's my service to the mother. What if you lose this key? I must do it well." Now this he was not doing for money. He could have said, "Okay, okay, it's done. Take it. Very nice. I close my shop." But it was his work for the mother, so it was done with that eye. The result may be success, as the ordinary mind understands it, or it may seem to that mind to be defeat and failure. But to him, it is always the success intended by the all-wise manipulator of action and result. So he is saying to the ordinary mind it may seem one way or the other but the all wise knows what is to be done Then the third sign is the liberated man has no personal hopes he does not seize on things as his personal possessions again from money people anything oh i possess them he receives what the divine will brings him covets nothing is jealous of none what comes to him he takes without repulsion and without attachment what goes from him he allows to depart into the world of things without repining or grief or sense of loss mind you this state uh, people try to imitate i possess nothing so i am just going on an unbridled rampage of activity no it doesn't mean that because you are going on an unbridled rampage for seeking of pleasure it's not that which is meant if things come in the course of your natural grow destiny you take them as gifts from the divine they may look pleasant they may look unpleasant but you are not taking receiving it with this idea in mind but equally when it goes you are not filled with grief and filled with sorrow and suffering because you never coveted you never possessed it you let it go let it go it doesn't mean okay okay go <laughs> it may go in the course of evolution of life Therefore, he does not, by stress on doing and its objects, bring about in his mind and heart any of those reactions which we call passion and sin. For sin consists not at all in the outward deed, but in an impure reaction of the personal will, mind, and heart, which accompanies it or causes it. What is sin? Selfish desire. I mean, desire by its nature is selfish. Selfishness, egoism, desire. coveting attitude greed jealousy fear this is sin it's not the action itself so again the sign of the divine work is is that which is central to the divine consciousness itself a perfect inner joy and peace which depends upon nothing in the world for its source or its continuance it is innate it is the very stuff of the soul's consciousness it is the very nature of the divine being therefore the ordinary man depends upon outward things for his happiness therefore he has desire therefore he has anger and passion pleasure and pain joy and grief therefore he measures all things in the balance of good fortune and ill fortune and this can be so much misunderstood i mean at least i remember when my first my mother died that day i went for my class as usual and people didn't know that she has died somebody called up for birthday and greeted birthday but they noticed it after two months when my father died then again then my superiors they started saying is he normal i am supposed to cry be filled with grief it just didn't come it was not something tried it didn't come they've gone to mother it's something fine so this happens automatically at this change that when things are taken away from you and sometimes it can be very funny experience i'll share one experience where i lost and found my scooter so i 
<laughs> so it was living in Pune outside the barracks. I mean, single rooms. We had a scooter, and I used to go to the mess for food and then come back. That day, I went on my scooter to the mess, and I met my friend, and we started discussing all about geometric progression, evolution, and all these things. I completely, after a long, wonderful walk, came back to my room. I said, "Where is my scooter? <laughs> It's gone." So I said, "Okay, divine wants me to practice samata. His <laughs> scooter is gone. I'm. I'll practice samata. So I practiced samata. Had a very peaceful sleep. Very very happy. See, divine has helped me to practice samata. And then I walked to the mess because now I have no choice. And I realized my scooter is standing there. I said, "Wow, this is the least painful samata." <laughs> so this is how it 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 will come if it is needed so this is state which develops and samata is not something which will come immediately in different areas it extends itself that equality impersonality peace joy freedom do not depend on so outward a thing as doing or not doing works so it will be very much misunderstood by people because people expect that you should be unhappy you should cry you should look as if you are you know so if you don't have these things when you are supposed to have these things it may look very strange they may even wonder that are you really happy with the event maybe that's why you are not crying <laughs> so but it is this inner state of felicity <laughs> which you enter into because you understand this things like jealousy is position don't prick you and yet you continue to have goodwill love everything so it is a wonderful state to be in the gita insists repeatedly on the difference between the inward and outward renunciation tyaga and sanyas the latter it says is valueless without the former hardly possible even to attain without it and unnecessary when there is the inward freedom so sanyasa is when you want to now i become a sanyasi so i will have nothing to do with uh, all my life till now so if somebody uh, ask me about whatever medical or this thing so i'll say no now i am only a sanyasi or let's say you are married you have children so you don't start saying they are no more my children be careful i huh? don't make such no more my children i have no wife i have no husband i have no <laughs> nobody <laughs> that's not required nor do you say no i am not going to now henceforth live together because i have become a sanyasi sanyasi may do that but yogi is greater that's exactly what he says inner renunciation you are with everything and yet you are connected to the divine and not with anything so this should be the state he should be known as the eternal sanyasin who neither hates nor desires free from the dualities is happily and easily released from all bondage so this what he shurbindo reveals to us and yet this liberation does not at all prevent him from acting the man who knows the principle of things thinks his mind in yoga i am doing nothing when he sees here touches and yet all action is done through him this is that state in which you have that even while doing everything you are doing nothing and this is such a wonderful release because you don't carry the burden of all that doership so there is this beautiful bhajan of dujendra lal lal roy tomar karmo tumi karuma loke bole koriyami sokale tumhari ichha all is your will expressing through countless ways not that oh it is expressing through me with others no in everybody there is one will expressing itself people think that i am the doer but i know that you are the doer so this is the state of the divine worker and the practice of works as sacrifice the last bit which i'll read equality is the sign and also for the aspirant the test where there is an equality in the soul there there is evidence in evidence some unequal play of the modes of nature 
motion of desire every time we are troubled or distressed we must look inside what is that desire it is taking the form of a concealed expectation you see it's natural some wish some want like a thief stealing inside so one has to look inside and say why one is troubled and eliminate it thoroughly it's a painstaking process because even when you eliminate in one area it is seen up in another area you may be very equal in terms of food you may be very unequal in terms of your heart you may be equal in terms of your heart you may be very unequal in terms of your mind thoughts viewpoint so one has to practice this equanimity constantly so he reminds us when niroda once said that you know i am i had a bit of cold and i feel all this world is illusion what yogis realize after great effort i have realized so soon so sure bindu says sir it is the blues <laughs> which follow the cold it has nothing to do with any realization this kind of temporary viragya is uh, quite common and at another point he in the same letter it comes a little later or maybe in another letter someone complains to him he he speaks to him that you know when i am doing people come and tell me something some say he is such a hard doctor he doesn't smile all these things so shrivindra says that you know what am i to do shrivindra says look here uh, you have to practice samta i had my time to practice samta past ma your turn please i have done my ma practicing samta <laughs> your turn can you imagine shobindo somebody filed a court case of kidnapping a 70 a 17 year old the person came wanted to be and shobindo accepted samata i have passed my test ma now your turn please so this is a test it will keep coming we immediately start over oh, what is god doing with me why he is doing this are he is making us into real uh, steel which we want to become thank god he is doing this to me because he thinks i am ready and capable of practicing this samta that's why he is doing it to me <clears throat> where there is inequality of soul there there is deviation from knowledge loss of steadfast abiding in the all embracing and all reconciling oneness of the brahman and unity of things so these deviations may come get back they may come get back that's the process it doesn't come today from today i am going to be equal in everything it doesn't work like that it's a process it's a dynamic evolves through time but at some point one has to start and equality is the word shubindo stresses the most and he says there are three ways of doing it one is through a kind of state of tamas where you are indifferent to things the second is stoic heroic and the third is an illumined satvik philosophical equality such is the nature of life but this is not the equality of which gita speaks of gita speaks of the equality of the soul these can be initial stages for practice but the true equality of the soul and spiritual consciousness is when it knows all is the expression of that one brahman of the one divine in various ways and all are safe in god's heart and it is he who alone is acting through all the multiple multiplicity of creation through the mechanism of nature when we know this then we are in a state of equality namaste